Well, um, I have the privilege of introducing our guest speakers um, tonight. Um, and uh, there are Bill and Linda Boone, amazing people. Kat, there's a lot of something going on stuff. We can, if you can play with that some more. Um, so um, I just want to let you know a little bit, but what would you say, maybe three years ago is what I'm thinking about when we met? Something like that. So, so I know it's not been long. Anyway, Bill and Linda are from uh, the Seattle area. They, they uh, attend uh, the Seattle Revival Center, which actually um, uh, Suzanne and I went up with a team. Some of you were there, went up and, and uh, ministered there, gosh, a year ago or something. Um, and so, so uh, but these two, um, they, uh, Linda's on staff with the church, uh, and both of them minister a lot out on the streets in Seattle to the homeless. They have some amazing hearts. Um, they, they, for a long time, uh, taught a class to those coming into the church up there using my book um, as part of the curriculum, um, Always Loved. And um, but we just over time we just started linking hearts and falling in love with these guys. And so when I heard they were down here, I said, by all means, please come and speak. Uh, so I think they're both going to speak a little bit tonight. So um, would you just bless and honor with me, Bill and Linda Boone? Yeah. Yeah. He said I could say hi. So. I'll say hi. But I do get to share more later. <laughs> uh, so anyway, oh, it's wonderful to be here. You know, there's something about the Father's love, that when you're with people who have been introduced to the Father's love and have the Father's love, you become family. You just can, like, give them a hug, and you just want to spend time with them. I had there was three marvelous ladies back in that intercession room, and um, I just wanted to hug and love on them. And, you know, it's just like, um, it's good to be here. It's good to be with family who knows God. It's good to be with family and people who love each other and, um, and who've experienced the love of God. And if you haven't, uh, you will tonight, um, because that's our God. And he loves, um, he loves to love on you, and he loves to love on, on all of us. And so we're just going to, um, I'm going to share with you my life. Um, he told me to give that when I um, share afterwards, so that's what I'm going to do. But anyway, it's just such a blessing to be here. You are all so incredibly loved by your father. If you don't know it, you are so incredibly loved, so incredibly loved. You just are. So anyway, it's great to be here. Oh, praise the Lord. Hmm. Um, in a couple minutes, I think you guys got a, uh, something. Like, hold on a second, just for a second. Uh, my name is Bill. Um, I, I've been a Christian probably for, I don't know, some 35 years. Um, I, uh, I was raised in a Lutheran church in uh, Martinez. So I, I was raised, well, actually both in Concord and in, um, um, in Martinez. I spent probably 17 years in California before I joined the Army. And from there, I left. And I came out of the Army um, in 1981. And uh, it was at Fort Lewis in Seattle. Met a girl. You know how that goes. And, but that didn't go so well. And anyway, ended up staying up there and, and, um, and kind of been up there ever since. Um, uh, just want to just thank you guys for just having us. Um, it's, it's really to us, it's a real special honor to, to be standing here with, um, Pastor Brent and Suzanne. Uh, they have been a real huge blessing to us, um, over the last few years. I think it's more like four years because we were, it was that first time, I don't know, it was the first time you were up in with uh, the proctors at the barn. And what, what really stood out about Brent, now, two things. I've got two, two sides of this coin here. Part of this, oh, it's all good, brother. We had already gotten his book, and it was, had a different title on it. And we, we just fell in love with that book. And at that time, it was called Daddy, You Love Me. And, um, and so we just, we are always searching for material and resources to better feed us and better keep us, you know, going deeper into the, into, um, uh, the father's love and Linda happened to run across it. And so we bought it and we just were, we were blown away because some of the very things that are in that book were 
deep expressions of our own heart. Um, and the, I guess the best way I would say, for those of you who've never read the book, um, the Father has found a way through a man to express a language of the heart for this generation. Each generation, there is expressions of what God's doing and what he wants to do, and he finds different ones to communicate it. Well, he found Brent, and he communicated some very, very deep, intimate, relational, um, amazing um, ways to communicate his love. It's, and it's really, it's not, it's not a new word, but it's really, really fresh and new to us um, for this generation. And um, if you have not read it, I encourage you to do so. Um, we, honestly, we give out hundreds of these books away. Hundreds of them. We just got back from last year from uh, uh, South Africa where we gave, what was it, like 300 so was it, was it, I'm trying to remember. It's three or four hundred. Some two hundred. Was it two hundred? Okay, it was two hundred. All right, I'm okay with that. But two hundred books we gave away um, because we believe in the message of that book. Now, this is the other piece. The one thing that also captured our hearts about Brent is that uh, the this message and I'll, part of my testimony, and I'll share this in a couple of minutes, is that uh, we were so impacted by the Father's love several years ago. Um, and that, but yet that message was not, hasn't, well, it has gotten a lot better received in the church in these days, but for the longest time it wasn't well received because people didn't know how to respond. Because when you start talking about intimacy, lots of things start coming to the surface from your hearts. And if you don't know how to deal with those things, you know, there's a lot of times there's a reaction. And so, and then to find people, uh, that carry that is is uh, is a um, a precious thing. So when we went to, we heard that Brent was at the barn doing a conference. It's called the barn. It's uh, in Olala. Did I get that right? Olala, interesting name. Uh, Washington. It's the barn. The uh, Michael and Penny Proctor um, have a this wonderful place of worship that they do. Mostly, it's worship uh, on on a farm, and so. They came, um, and he, we came that we were. We found out about it. We shot over there, and we we sat in that first meeting, and we were just going, oh, it was like fresh water to us, you know. And it was just, and, it, and matter of fact, they even prophesied to us that night. They ministered directly to both of us, and so we ended up coming the next day. Now that was good in and in itself. Come on, you know. I mean, really, it just takes time to pray for you, minister to you. But what really struck me was that. That next uh, Saturday, he spent probably like 45 minutes with us just listening. He came over and he connected with us like we were the only people there and just engaged us. I don't think I've ever had a leader do that before. That gave me such a sweet picture of the Father's heart for me. It just was amazing. So, I mean, that just captured us. And so from seemed from that point on, we seemed to, anytime he's passing through or, you know, we're always saying, hey, can we get together? And so we'll have dinner. We'll spend some time. And, and so I just, I just want to honor you, brother. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. You so affirmed what Papa's done in our lives. Now you can turn that on. If you can go ahead, if you like, play that. I just really want to kind of set a stage for you right now. And for some of you earlier, you were kind of laid out during the worship service. You could bring that down. Um, I don't want to overpower people with that, but just loud enough for it to be. Um, but I want to release you or... Um, the right word for it or just let you just be
be yourself tonight, you know, or just relax. Um, we're going to create an atmosphere here and allow the Holy Spirit to come and just touch your, your lives and your hearts in a fresh way. And if you feel like laying down or leaning up against the wall or, or even if you feel like falling asleep, I'm okay with that. All right? I've seen some great, great, awesome things happen to people who have fallen asleep in the presence of God. You realize that sleeping doesn't hinder him? You know, maybe that's what you really need more than anything else. It's a good nap. So you're not offending me um, if you do that. Because it's really not about so much what we say or do. It's really about what he does. Um, so just be free. If you Sometimes as the presence of God comes, uh, you feel weightiness comes. And it just, you, know, you just say, oh, I just want to go with that. Go with it. Relax. There's no real hidden agenda here other than we just want Puppet to love you tonight. We just want to give him an opportunity for you to experience him in a fresh way. Is that okay? Um, as I was saying before, I was raised in a Lutheran church and, you know, as a young Christian or a young person, as in my in uh, early years of my life, I just there was something about me that just was that um, really loved singing in church. It's kind of crazy. Just loved singing out of those hymnals, and I had this tenderness about me that that just wanted something more. And I, and through the Lutheran Church, I had a kind of an awareness of God, um, but I really didn't know Jesus. And um, my parents were, they did the best they could. Um, but my dad was raised in a, uh, a season of, um, uh, you know, during the Great Depression. And if you know anything about the environment or the culture of that season, people were really in survival mode. And so to survive was to be sometimes really hard. And you just got to tough it up and, you know, get through it all and stuff. And so the one thing he never knew how to do was express love. And as a kid, you know, I found out later what my first love language is touch. And my dad would never touch me. he never say, I love you. Second one is affirmation. So here are my two primary love languages, and he could not give either one of them to me growing up. So during the time of, during this season when my parents decided they were going to get divorced, uh, I took it the hardest. And uh, within very short time, I was into pornography, I was into drugs, I was into alcohol. And, you know, Mrs. Age began around 11. And, you know, by the time I'm in high school, I'm, I'm classified as a stoner. And uh, I can remember many times in, over in at Alhambra High School, I went out in the field, getting high all the time, and yet going home and feeling so alone and so angry and so hurt and so <sighs> desperate for something. And I didn't know what it is, so I just would do more drugs, do more stuff, feed myself whatever I could to try to pacify the pain pain was something I knew. I could, and the only way that I could deal with that pain was to, 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 to press it down and, and drink more, smoke more, whatever I could do um, to try to deal with that pain. And the next, uh, over a season of this lifestyle, even, even through the military, it still was just this, this, this claw on my life. And eventually after getting out of uh, military sometime after that, I landed in prison for that lifestyle. And I spent five years in Washington State Reformatory. Thankfully, it was there. Jesus became real to me. Uh, and for four years of that time, of that five years that I was in the prison, I came to know Jesus. And I had a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we saw wonderful, awesome things. And coming out of prison was so miraculous. Um, I picked up a two-year degree in drafting, technical drafting, while I was in prison. 
And when I got out, within two weeks, I'm working in one of the most prestigious architectural engineering firms in Seattle. You know, and I'm standing before this guy, you know, who's only met me via phone. I talked to him on the phone. I never made him face to face when I first got out. And he started, he pulled out his business cards and was calling interviews all across Seattle to get me in the door. And I'm just, I just look at this and I'm just going, I, I'm, I can't believe this. I couldn't hold a job for more than three months. And this guy is opening doors for me and stuff. And I was just incredible, incredible season. I, was, I connected with some families there in, uh, at that particular time um, that, were, uh, that had had some relationship with while I was inside. I started going to a good church, started getting digging in deeper. And yet, there was always something on the deepest part of me that was hungry for something more. There was always a search, a deep, deep search on the inside of me that drove me. Sometimes it drove me to just be striving, 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 striving for approval, striving, striving for acceptance. I was a master at activity. I was, you know, they would call me, you know, like the energizer bunny. I mean, I was just bounce off the walls. I was heavy into intercession, heavy into the prophetic. And it was something I did during that, that, during that season. But yet there was something inside me that wanted something more. Uh, in 1994, when God broke out in Toronto, I was one of the first ones from our church to go up there to see what God was doing. And that was just incredible. Just absolutely incredible. The power, the, the presence of God and all the things. As a matter of fact, I didn't know until the second time I went a couple months later what had happened on the first trip. And it was 20 years of guilt and shame that it was just wiped off in an instant. I spent three and a half hours on the floor just with all sorts of movements. <laughs> it, was, it, was, it was wild, totally wild. And, um, and I came back and, and I was free, but I still had this thing inside of me that was searching. I was looking for something. Some people said, you know, Bill, you're looking for a father. You know, and I found myself looking to men to be a father. You know, it's like, oh, I wish I could be like him. I wish I could, wish he, you know, I could carry his briefcase. And, I, and it was just always something inside. Even after that awesome experience that I had, you know, in Toronto in 1984, something still was driving me. Something still wanted to be a peace. Something wanted to, to know something. And it wasn't until years later um, in 2006, the Lord spoke to my heart. He said, I want you to go back to Toronto. And so... It was there in Toronto in 2006 during a soaking conference um, and a father loves a soaking school and a, and a father loves you conference that I had a, such an encounter with a father that changed the course of our lives. Uh, now, partly why I tell you a lot a little bit of before that is that for three quarters of my Christian life, there was a search. You know, I had Jesus. I had the Holy Spirit. I saw crazy, wonderful healings and miracles and things like that through my life. But there was still something on the inside of me that was empty and searching. It wasn't until in that in 2006, I'm, in, I'm just going after God, that all of a sudden, during a meeting, something similar to this, is a woman is just sharing and music in the background, that all of a sudden weeping, started to start to fall under the place. People started to cry. People started, and, and, and the person that was leading the meeting said, you know, I want you to fold up your chairs and put them at the side of the, uh, of the wall and just lay down where you're at. And I, all of a sudden, it just broke out, wailing, crying, deep sobs. And to my utter amazement, I was the loudest one. <laughs> You know, it just came on me, and then it was it. It was just, and I had probably all the fluids in my body came out my face. You know, and I just, it was just coming out, coming out. And what was so shocking to me, that's probably the best, or so shocking, or, yeah, that's probably the best way I could say it. it was so shocking to me was, how can you be so loving? so gentle so kind so 
amazingly forgiving for all the things that I have done. How can you be, how can you be so good? I, I cried not because I was in pain. I cried because I was, I was shocked that there could be anybody who could love me like this. And I have this, it was like this flow of his love was going. And it was like these hugs and kisses. Remember the, my love language, touch. And I felt it just go through me and through me. And all I could do was cry. And all I could do was say, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And I, I could, for the next six, eight months, that's all I could say. He loves me. He loves me. He loves me. And it totally changed everything. After three quarters of my Christian life spent on striving and, and going after God and pursuing him, I found the one I was looking for. The one who loved me just the way I am. And so what we've been doing for the past 13, 14 years now is just going deeper in that to the point where inside of us, we know that we know that we know that nothing can separate us from the love of God. doesn't matter what you go through. I didn't mean I didn't go through some things over the last few years. Matter of fact, I was probably, it was about five or six years ago that it was like uh, things were just going great, full guns. And then all of a sudden I woke up one morning and there was just pain, just pain. And I, and I walked in that for probably a couple of years of walking that process of God doing deep, 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 deep on things on the inside of me. But nothing changed. He loves me. He loves me. He's going to see me through this. He's going to help me through this whole process. And some of the things that, that we learned during that time um, that helped us walk that season out. And I just wanted to mention a couple of these things is this thing called soaking. Right now, I, I know most of you probably feel his presence, but you don't have to necessarily feel it. It's this substance, this preciousness of God's love that when you're in the, see, the beauty of what's happening here is that you can't come into this place and not experience it because of what God's done here and through the leaders that are in this house. I just loved your testimony. <laughs> that, see, to me, that's, that right there is exactly it. And all I get to do is come up here and say, I got that too. I got that too. And then I get to go around from place to place and share. I got that too. It's so, it's so amazing because the game changes. When I got back after that encounter, um, all I could do at that point was just learn how to go with him. I spent hours and hours and hours in his presence just soaking in his love. I mean, the terminology of soaking is not complicated. It's just getting into that atmosphere. It's getting into atmospheres of people. It's getting where that is and just drinking it in. You and I were created for love. For love. Of the essence of love. It's your nature. It's who you are as a Christian is love. And there's, for each one of us, we have different ways that we need it expressed to us. And over time, you start figuring that out because you find out how you're wired. You realize, I mean, who, I don't have to tell you this, but you all know we're all different. And how you receive and how you respond to it is different. And so one of the things for me that was so powerful was just soaking my wife's testimony is totally different in how she walked in this and how she entered into this whole arena. But for me, it was touch. For me, it was the, the hearing his voice telling me, Bill, I love you. Continue. The book 
is a book full of affirmations of him telling he loves you. And I'll tell you what, it, it takes time. It's even after an encounter like I had, it takes time to allow that stuff to go deep. Henry and I were just talking about that. It's taken time for allow that to become real because you figure I'm, I just became 60 years old here this last month going into the golden years. Um, and I spent 40 years, 45 years wired differently. You can't expect it to all just change overnight. You just got to soak in this revelation. You got to soak in this intimacy and allow God. And for me, it was soaking that was really key. And it really doesn't take much. We put on music. We have what's what we call a soaking room. Every week for the last 13 years, I just all I do is share for about five or 10 minutes ask Holy Spirit to come, and then God shows up, starts touching people. We get people, just the other time, we get people all over the place that show up out of nowhere. We had some people from Norwegian, you know, Norwegians that came through the soaking center, you know, um, just two weeks ago. They got wrecked. They were so hungry, you know, and, and, and just to be touched and loved because we all crave to be loved. It's who we are. That's what we were created for. Yes, Holy Spirit, you just keep, you just keep coming. You just keep coming. You just keep loving us. Shabbat. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter where you've been. He loves you. If you can love me, next con. Everywhere I, as a non-Christian, everywhere I went, I was always glad to leave because I always left bodies, destruction, everywhere I went. And yet he loves me. I hurt a lot of people, and yet he loves me. It doesn't matter what you've done. Yeah, Papa, keep digging that deeper. talk about a, a cry that's in each one of us. It's an Abba cry. Abba. 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 This cry to know your heavenly father. This cry to know your papa. To know your daddy. I know sometimes that's a hard term because some of the hurts, pain, it's real. He loves us. Abba. Daddy. Papa. Love is so just incredible, Papa. 
Yeah, we just we just bask in it. Mother, we just lay back in your love. Yeah. I'd ask the Lord what to share. Um, got tons of materials and different things. We do a school of the heart. Um, but the Father said he wanted me to share my life because it's how God's love affects our life that makes all the difference. Learning God's love is not a doctrine, a theology. It's something that can and will revolutionize your life. It'll change you. It'll change you from the inside out. And it'll heal those wounds that no man can heal. And I think my story, while has a lot of tragedy, it has a lot of God. (laughs) And so... um, I grew up in a, uh, I was given away for adoption um, when I was a baby, because uh, back then, I'm 65, so in 1954, um, you didn't have your baby if you were, so I was illegitimate, given away for adoption, and, and um, came into a home, a foster home, and um, they raised me, um, wonderful people, Catholics, um, didn't really know God in a personal way. Um, But there was a lot of brokenness as I was growing up, a brokenness of realizing that I was illegitimate, which is a horrible word, (laughs) because I'm certainly not to Papa God. But to have a tag like that put on you, to feel that abandonment, to feel that wounding, to feel you had a mother who didn't want you, and a father you would never know. Um, And so I I had a lot of brokenness there. And and as I got older, um, I just went through a lot of things. One of the things that marked my life was when I was just turned 14 years old. I was a virgin and, um, and I was raped and, um, I was, uh, skipping school and I was at a party and I didn't belong there. Um, and I should have been in school, but it sent me down a path of self-hatred, a path of, if I'd only made the right choice, a path of I'm nothing but a piece of meat. Sorry, I'm a pretty honest person, so you'll just have to uh, (laughs) um, flow with this. Um, Just the fact that I was nothing. I mean, when you're used, and some of you have been used, you'll feel like you were nothing. And those are the kind of wounds that only God can heal. Um, But I didn't find him then. I didn't find him until I was 19. I was living with a man. I had already been married and divorced. I had my first child at 17. I had grown up with an alcoholic father. And my mother died when I was 13. So I raised my my young um, uh, sister. And um, I found God. Uh, He found me. Really, I mean, you know, not like, I mean, he already knew I was there, but it's like he came when I was ready to hear. He came when I realized that I'd done all the things my way, and my life was a tragedy up to that point. And, of course, I acted out. I acted out in drugs. I acted out in sex. I acted out from, from um, the wounds that were in my life. And um, so God came. Um, and, and I was saved, and I was gloriously saved at the time. Um, it, was, um, it was wonderful. Um, but I didn't know that I knew to do all the right things because it saved when I was 19. I mean, I had to lower my skirts from here down to here, had to wear less makeup, had to become acceptable to the church, right? So I cleaned up the outside, but I hadn't cleaned up the inside. And not that God can't clean up the inside, but as many of you know, that's a process of healing. And it's only really his love that can get in those small cracks and crevices of our hearts, you know. But my testimony, unfortunately, doesn't end there. It really begins there. Because I had most of the things happen to me after I became a Christian. So most of us, we're cleaned up, we're restored, and we go on with God, and we're saved, and we're born again, and we walk it. Praise God for all of those of you who did that. But I didn't. 
Um, and so my story is a story of brokenness, a story both Bill and I, broken people who have been so loved by a God and so restored. So after I became a Christian, um, I had the first marriage I had at 17 was abusive, horribly abusive. I, um, and um, so I got out of that and was living with a man who I eventually married about six months after I became a Christian, I think. He said he was born again. Um, he went to a Baptist camp when he was young. Um, he told our pastor, because I wouldn't marry somebody who wasn't a, a Christian. Um, but about three months after we were married, he said, it's not for me. I won't have it. I don't want it. In fact, at one point, he threatened me, and he said, um, you know, it's either me or God. And I said, well... Hate to break it to you, but um, I won't divorce you. I won't leave you, but I will not choose you over God. He's the only thing that's holding, you know, is holding me together to that point, right? And so, um, so I was ended up in, in a marriage for 15 years with a man I did not love, uh, that I had rebounded with, and who wasn't a Christian. Um, and yet those were some great years of the Lord. I was, I was hungry. I was on fire for him. I, I did a whole bunch of things um, in, in teaching um, junior high and high schoolers. And I was president of Women's Aglow for four years in Juneau, Alaska. That's where all this took place, part of this. And so um, I was really on fire. <laughs> um, but I was still broken inside. And I was still wounded. And I was still needy. And so, um, as I was a Christian about four or five years, um, the Lord showed me a method of there. I was reading this book called An Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. It's a really old book. And in there, you take an hour and you spend it with the Lord, right? And five minutes of all this different stuff. Well, five minutes, he said, one of the five minutes things was after you've prayed and praised, will you sit down with a pen in your hand and you start journaling. You start writing down whatever you hear. I was in a non-denominational church who didn't believe in any signs, wonders, miracles, or hearing from God or anything. But I thought, well, book says it, I'll do it, right? So I just picked up a pen and started writing. So the father started telling me at a very young age, I think it's got to be 22 or 23. By that time, I had three kids and was, was married to this, this man that I told you about him. And um, anyway, so I, was, I started journaling, and I kept hearing these words from God. And he would say, I love you. I love you, my child. I love you, my daughter. You're special to me. I love you. And I can remember getting so frustrated uh, as time went on and saying, you're God. Don't you have anything else to say? I mean, <laughs> this is nice, but I, I mean, come on. Where's the revies? Where's the heavy stuff? Where's the, of course, I didn't know the word revies back then, but what, you know, where's the stuff? I had no clue how broken I was. And so as I um, was walking this out, there just came a time, even after, <laughs> this was after I'd been a president of Women's Aglow for four years and, and did all this kind of things, that, um, that I one day, I don't think it probably happened one day, because um, I was really on fire, but I was also very needy and very wounded. So one day I just told God, sorry, your love is not enough. Don't have a love enough, enough love for me. Sorry, I want love with skin on. I married two men I don't love. And um, I, I want love. And so I walked out into the world, turned my back on God and his love, and walked out into the world. And that's the part of my testimony I've only, always told. But the part, I don't know why this is, but God told me, no, I want you to go here, and I want you to tell them what you did when you walked out into the world. And I've never done this ever in all these 30, 20, 30 years um, in testifying, more so in the um, last years, probably the last 10, 15 years of my life. It's just how God's used my ministry. We always open up with this when we do some sort of conference because his love is so powerful. Um, what he did in my life. But anyway, when I walked away from the Lord, because I had been raped and because I had been abused by men, that's all I knew. So when I walked away from the Lord and I got into an affair, I got into an affair with a woman. 
I got into an affair because I had a best friend. And she loved me, and she'd hug me, and she'd listen to me, and she'd give me that love. And she was a Christian. We were both Christian. Um, but I, no justification. Sin is sin. Um, and it's not something I've, like I said, told the church. And especially back then. I can, Now, I'm 65. This didn't happen yesterday. I wouldn't be here. Um, this happened when I was in my 20s. And, um, but back then, this was, it, it, is, it is sin then. It, was sin, it is sin now. Okay? I'm not, not going to surprise anything on you of, of that everything's all right, because it's not. I've walked the lifestyle, and I know it's sin, and I know it's not what God wants, but I know there are broken people, so many broken people. And some of us turn to all kinds of different things. And so, um, anyway, I, and, and I felt innocently, meaning that I, didn't, I had no clue. I knew to stay away from men. I knew that you know, that I was married and I was never going to have an affair. I had no clue um, that this would happen to me. And so I was in this relationship and um, probably only hmm, six months, maybe. Um, And I had walked out of the church. I know the church is a place for broken people, but I couldn't come to church and act like everything went okay when I was living a lifestyle um, that I shouldn't be living. And, um, and I had fallen in love um, with, with this woman. It had nothing to do with sex. It had everything to do with being loved and looking for love. When I say I looked in love in all the wrong places, I mean it. It's not just a phrase out of a song. And so um, I walked in that. And by the grace of God, by his love, it's like, you know, when you walk into something that deep and that perverse, it's like, and I, I had so wanted to be on fire for God. I had wanted to be Catherine Coleman and Smith Wigglesworth, and, and all these people rolled into one. I was going to take the world by storm. And so all of a sudden, here I am broken and in a relationship that is so dark that I couldn't even talk about it. And, um, but God, you know, it's like I was in that relationship, and I had love, and yet it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough. The wages of sin are really death. Even if it's not physical death, it's just death. And there was one day when I realized that this was not what God wanted. But by this time, man, my, my uh, whole, whole um, uh, everything had changed for me because I hated men. I really disliked men. I was afraid of men. Men had hurt me. And, um, and I didn't trust them. So I walked out of this relationship. And as a Christian, we walked out together, which was hard to do. But we walked out because I didn't want to let her fall out of the, um, even though she was the um, perpetrator, I guess you would say, initiator of all this. She was just um, lost and hurt, too. And so we walked out of it together. And, um, and I went on with the Lord. Went on with the Lord for, and finally... Um, went on with the Lord, meaning I just came and I was just totally broken. And I thought that was just it. I mean, that, that was it. I was done. My Christianity had ended. Everybody else had these great testimonies, and here I am. So I've got to hurry this up because i got a lot more. Um, and so I, um, but God, but God, I, I, I couldn't even sit down and write in my journal because I was so afraid that he'd say, you scum of the earth, you know, how dare you? you know, do this to me. You were president of a woman's aglow and you fall this far and blah, 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 right? No. You know what he said? You know what he said? He said, I love you. I love you. And I would weep and weep. How can you love me? And he said, no, I I love you. Don't you know that when, when I saved you, don't you know that when you were president of women's aglow, don't you know that when you were doing these things that, do you think that I didn't know what you were going to do? Do you think I didn't know you were going to turn your back on me? And, and, and um, that was one part of real restoration in my life. And unfortunately, <laughs> I'd love to say that was all, but it wasn't. So I came back to the Lord, walked um, for six more years, and then this time... Um, 
I don't even know what happened. All I need to know to say is that I, like a dog, returns to their vomit. Um, I, I fell again, and um, this time it was deep and it was dark, and I went to a, um, I've been in gay churches, I went to a gay church, I went to gay Bible studies, I went to gay bars, but I was only with one person, but still. Uh, in a lifestyle then, um, back then, that was uh, very dark. And this was in Seattle, by the way. I'd moved to Seattle by this time because I didn't have any of that in Juneau. And, but this was even a shorter relationship. This was about three or four months, and I was so broken. I was so broken because, <laughs> okay, God, you rescued me once, and now I've gone back, and I've turned my back on you again, and I've still said your love isn't enough. And I've done worse than I've ever done before. I've done things people can't even imagine. Yet, you know, I was so broken. But God is so God. There is absolutely nothing you could ever do that will make God stop loving you. That will make him even pause in his love. That will make him put you on hold. He's just not our God. He just so loved me. And so restored me, and it was incredible. His love is so deep, and we don't realize the deepness of it until we've experienced it. And um, the other painful episode, one other thing in my life that the Lord took me through is I had gotten remarried. When I fell the, the second time, I divorced my husband because I was in sin. And I divorced my husband, moved in with this woman, lost my children. They went to live with their father. And my whole identity up to then had been as a mom, a good mom. And um, so when I came back to the Lord, I um, uh, ended this relationship. Uh, he, he just rescued me, cleaned me up. And, and, um, and I started walking with him, going back to church with him. And, and, um, and I met this man. And um, he was a Christian, and this, my other husband had not been a Christian. And I had sat in church for 15 years, married to this other man, just wishing that I could be one of these women who had their husband, would have their arm around him in church, you know? And um, the Lord has been healing me all the time of my identity. See, I didn't just lose that. I lost my identity. I lost my identity as a woman. I lost my identity... Um, as to hating men and, and what this looked like. And so God had such a restoration process to do in my life before I could even think of a man. But he brought one along, unfortunately, and he was in a church, and I thought, this is it, folks, this is it. I'm going to have my life, I'm going to have my Christian marriage, I'm going to have this, and, and life will be wonderful from here on out. <clears throat> but I married a man who was a Christian and much more abusive, than my other husband had ever been. So within six months, three months, I think it was only three months of being married, he left me to come down to California and um, sleep with his ex-wife. And, um, and he left me pregnant. Um, and um, But by this time, I had broken so many laws of the church, of God, commandments that I was not going to get divorced. And so I said, I don't care what this man does to me. Well, that was my life. For five years, I lived in extreme abuse. Um, he played out of me. He went to bars, went to everything. No, no need getting into all of it. And he was a Christian. <laughs> yeah. And so I didn't get um, what I had wanted then. And I was my, because I had sinned so badly and got so badly into sin, I hadn't restored God had not had enough time to restore me to who I was in him, even the little I knew. So I was restored as a woman, but I was not restored as a Christian, as a child of God that doesn't deserve to be beat. We don't deserve that. We don't deserve that kind of treatment. But because I had been so bad in my Christian walk, I guess thought, well, this is my just dessert. You know, here I am, and so I get my Christian man, and look what I get. And, um, but I was not going to divorce because I really, with all my heart, wanted to love and serve my God. And so, um, but finally, 
um, God rescued me. I mean, this man had threatened to kill me. He had guns to kill me and my daughter if I ever was to leave him. So I was not allowed out without him. Um, and um, and he would, yet he would come into the church and put on his smile. And everybody would like, everybody loved this guy. Um, not having any idea what he had done. So I need to move on quickly. But God rescued me out of that marriage. And um, he just did. It was just, it was a miraculous thing where one night I was at this kind of prophetic conference and God, uh, they called me up, in fact, in front. And the prophet gave a word and he said, tonight. He said, tonight, the, he said, the battle is mine, says the Lord. And I'm going to rescue you. And I went home that night and I said, that's it. Because he, I won't get into the description of what he'd done, but he did something that I had said no more. And um, that was it. And, and with, the, with the word of the Lord, I said, no, I'm not going to be murdered. My child is not going to be murdered. You know, we're going to get out of this. And so we did. And, um, but while I was married, right after I'd had these affairs, I went to a church one day um, as I just married this man. I'll put his name because you won't know him. His name is Sonny. As I married Sonny, and I went back to church with my little baby in hand, my, my young one. And um, came into this church and was, it was probably no bigger than this. And the pastor came in in the foyer. I was raising my hands and worshiping. And I'd been in here one time before, I think. And it was a real charismatic church. And I loved it. And so I was worshiping and, and just feeling God's presence. And the pastor walks in in the back. And he's going like this. And I'm looking around me. And so finally, I pick up my baby carrier. And I walk to the back of the church. And the people are there, and there's some people out in the, the, it wasn't a foyer, there was nothing back, there was just a door that went right outside. And so I walked over there by the door, and he says, "Um, you're going to have to leave. I said, what? He said, you cannot worship with us. I know what you've done, and you, you don't deserve, and you will not be worshiping with my people in this house. And that was like, Talk about broke, 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 right? Because you know, you, you think, you know, but God, again, he said to me, what did I do with the woman in the well? What did I do with her, Linda? What did I do with the woman caught in adultery? Did I, would, would I have done that to you? And I had to, you know, I had to think about it because this was a man of God who had told me I wasn't worthy to be with his people because of the sin I had done. But God, you're always worthy because you're a son or your daughter. That's all. You never have to earn it. You never have to make it. You're always worthy because you're his. And so he brought me through that time. But it was one of the most painful times of my life. But again, it was God, and his restoration was so incredible. And, and to make a long story short, because my picker was so darn broken when it came to men or relationships, and out of the blue 24 years ago, he sent Bill into our church and crossed the room, told me, that's the man you're going to marry. And I said, no way. <laughs> Absolutely not. I will never marry again. I'll never marry. I'm just never. I was so done. So, so done. And I said, there's one thing. And so God kept talking to me and saying, no, you're going to marry this man. I didn't know him. Didn't know he was single or not, you know. And God, um, I said to him, I said, what I want, if you're going to make me marry a man, what I want is that when I scratch him, he bleeds Jesus. He had better darn well bleed Jesus. And God found me a man that when he scratched, he bleeds Jesus. He's real all the way through. And so God put us together, and we've had 24 years um, of marriage and restoration in our hearts and in our lives. And God has so incredibly restored me and us. And then at the end of this, and then uh, this I will conclude, um, we've, we've just gone, we, we just have been following him and loving him and serving him. But I want you to know, and this is why I share my deepest pain with you now, is that God is so there for you. See, his love is in a nicety, honey, it's your life. If you don't know it, if you've never been down, 
It's your life. And if you ever hit a spot where you don't think you could make it through, he's your life. So it's been quite a while, quite a few years ago now. We just moved to Florida to attend the Pensacola Revival. Six months after we moved there, I got a call from my daughter that my oldest son, Michael, had committed suicide. 29 years old. He'd been um, diagnosed bipolar with uh, psychotic tendencies. And I had been, actually, when I was there in Washington, had been going in and out every weekend with his little daughter to visit him in these mental institutions because he'd check himself in so he wouldn't commit suicide. And I always thought that it'd be one of these God stories, right? You know, the guy has the gun to his head and TBN comes on, and I just thought that would be it. And it wasn't. And, um, but the first thing that came out of my heart, the first thing that came up in my soul was God is good. He's so good. Because I knew that God did not cause my son to take his life. At least I had my theology right there. I knew that. And so God has so, this is where his love has been even the deepest and the greatest for me. Because that's the worst thing I can think of as a mom. And yet, God has come with his love and so restored me. I mean, I would, just, I would just go out in the beaches and I'd cry and I'd cry and I'd go to Brownsville and I'd weep when I was singing and weep and weep and weep. And yet, I am probably inside, you wouldn't tell it right now, but inside I'm probably one of the most joyful people I know. Because God has so restored me. And when God does it, you don't have to. I mean, sure, do I feel like sometimes I've got this hole in my heart? Yes, because my son it will never be with me again. But it's a catheterized hole, and I can't feel it. There's no wound anymore. It's like, it's, it's so supernatural, so God. So, oh, I bet you I've gone way over. So, no, I haven't. Hey, thank you, Jesus. Um, so, I don't know why God wanted all of this for all of you. Um, but I want to end by saying that this love is not just a book to read, even if it's a print book, which we give out everywhere. It's not just a book to read. It's something that you so need in your life. You need that intimate relationship with him. Honey, you need to spend every day of your life with him. You need to get up in the morning and be with him. You need to talk to him. You need to develop that relationship with him. You need him. Even if your life, and I pray, will never look like mine. But you have your ups and downs, honeys. You've got your tragedies. You've got your pains. You've got your wounds. Maybe sometimes we're just walking out of depression or despair. Um, But God can do anything, absolutely anything in your life. There's not one thing he can't restore, and there's not one wound he cannot heal. He can. He can so restore you that he can restore your joy. He can restore you from from the depth of perversity to a holy married woman. Um, He can restore and love you like you have never been loved. And that's the deepest lesson I learned I, who walked away from God twice and said your love will never be enough, have found that only his love will ever be enough. You can't find it any other place. Even with the most marvelous Christian scratching Jesus guy, still can't love you like Jesus can love you and like God can love you. Yeah, stay up, stay up. So, I guess you might say we're kind of a trophy of his grace or trophy of his love. You know, um, broken people that uh, have encountered something that's more than just um, a nice little story or a nice little uh, evangelistic call. But, uh, you know, some folks that are broken just like you. And, um, you know, we're not... 
I mean, she's brilliant. She's smart. She's a great administrator. But I, you know, as, as, as a kid, I, I didn't really have a lot educationally that I could do. Um, I remember the, 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 the thing that I, I scored high on, I remember on my report cards, because I would get C's and D's pretty much as a kid growing up. But I would always get an, I'd get an A for enthusiasm, you know. Um, so it's, you know, God takes the lowly, takes the, the broken, and he makes something so beautiful and so significant. And whoever you are, wherever you are in the process, um, he loves you. And you're somebody. And there's, there's, there's a people group that no one else can touch except for you. There's, there's, a, there's a whole culture of, of people that God wants you to learn how to be loved and then give it away to those that are in your arena of life. And um, we go around <laughs> around in the Northwest kind of doing what you just experienced and just sharing that story. And we watch lives change just because of that. You know, um, now we're here. I don't know for whatever you guys would like, but we're here to pray for anybody that wants it. Uh, this afternoon, we'll take or this evening, we'll take as much time as you'd like. Uh, one of the things all we found too is that sometimes it's not necessarily a prayer, but it's just a little—it's a hug. You know, we we carry a mama and a papa hug. That is very very deep. I've watched people just change, just because of a hug, because it's not about it's not about the, the giftedness. You know, thank God for the gifting that God has given to us. It's about him and the reality of who he is on the inside of you. That's just busting to come out. And um, we, we carry daddy's love. And that's our gift to you. And we're just, we're willing to pray with you and stand with you as, uh, for as long as need be. Yeah, they're just going to stay up here. Um, that was amazing. You can see why I fell in love with these two, huh? Um, and uh, their their stories um, were the word tonight. Meaning, you know, Jesus said uh, in in uh, John one, he said that um, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Meaning. Um, you know, I, I love the word, the Bible, um, but it has to, through the Holy Spirit, touch us. And then our story becomes the living word. It really does. The most powerful thing you have is your story, is what Jesus has done for you. But one of my favorite uh, scriptures for about what, everything they talked about is First uh, John 3, 1. And um, this is from the, uh, the Passion Translation. <laughs> it says... <laughs> Look with wonder at the depth of the Father's marvelous love that he has lavished on us. He has called us and he has made us his very own beloved children. <laughs> so, so, Papa, thank you. We just, we're amazed, we're in awe. Thank you. We're your kids. We're your loved kids. We're your chosen kids. We're your wanted sons and daughters. You've always wanted us. We have always been yours. We're just coming to realize how good you are, how good we have it. So, God, I'm praying for every person in this room that you touch them deeply with your love. We just release, I release over you a baptism of the Father's love just to wash over you and wash over you. And whether you're feeling it at this moment, I, I have his authority to release a baptism of the Father's love over you, which means, which means there's going kind to of come a moment, if it's not now, maybe in the middle of the night, it may be next week when you're driving somewhere, and suddenly, suddenly you're flooded with a love you didn't know was possible. And I declare that over you. In Jesus' name, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Um, I would uh, I would love to actually have a few others like like Russ and Susan. Would you be willing to come up? Suzanne, would you be willing to come up with me um, for a little while? And and I don't know if is Todd around still or is he gone? 
Is Todd here? Okay. I was just going to say, oh, Todd, would you, would you, would you do that? Would you and Karina come up? Um, I just want to have a few, you know, people up here. We, we actually did this a few weeks ago where, where we just released Father Mother Blessings. So this is similar to that. But, um, but I would just say if there's something, you know, if you're just wanting a, a, a blessing, a touch, uh, to come on up. And how about Clayton and Diane, would you come up to you? Yeah. And what we'll do, I think, um, you know, depending on how many of you want to come up, but I'm thinking couples could probably stay together. You guys can decide. If you want to do individual, that's fine. But the rest of us, we could even just stay as couples and bless, you know, bless people. All right. So, um, yeah, that's it for tonight. We're just, please stick around. Please enjoy each other. Come on up if you would like a blessing.